0: Well, good morning, and welcome to our fourth and final installment of The World Spins Madly On, Volume 2. And listen, quite honestly, there's no better week for us to finish up this series, because as the world spins madly on, and our pastor, uh, Pastor Jeremy, uh, had surgery earlier this week uh, to repair uh, an ACL issue he had, and so uh, he was going to be back. He he had this, this big plan, but... Plans don't always go as, as we plan, and so today, uh, we're going to be jumping in. I get to conclude the series. Uh, he talked about last week being Vision Sunday. Today, that's going to be pushed off for just a couple weeks, and we're really excited to hear, uh, but listen, don't we have incredible pastors, and Pastor Jeremy and Janet, can we just give our show our love and appreciation for them? We love you guys. We're praying for you, Pastor, and your recovery. Janet. We are praying for you, we know a high maintenance patient when we see one, and so we are praying for you, we're with you, we got your back. But we're gonna jump in today, and in this series we've talked about uh, the power of pre-decision. To decide means to kill your options, and so far we've talked about a couple things. Uh, Being a go-giver, being unoffendable. We've We've decided that we were going to grow spiritually, and last week Pastor Jeremy said, we're gonna stay on the trail. And today we get to dive into one more decision that when faced with anything and everything, I will pursue God's dream. I will pursue God's dream. Dreaming's weird. Dreaming, uh, when I bring it up, you can have one of two reactions to it. Uh, You can shut down and and let your eyes glaze over and kind of just shove it aside because uh, that's not for you. You decided a long time ago you weren't going to pursue the dream that you kind of just let that sit and that's not for you. Others of you, you may hear the word dream and you might be hurt. It might bring up pain because uh, you're going through something that you never thought you would have to go through, that you had this dream for your life that God had for you, but now life isn't turning out the way that you thought it should. I guess there is a third category too, those who feel like they are following God's dream for their life. So before we uh, continue today, I want us to pray. I want us to pray specifically in that direction this morning. Lord, you know every person in this room, at the sound of my voice, at every campus. God, you know what they are going through. You know what the situations they face before they walk in the door. You know what they face whenever they walk out. You know what they've been through. You know what's to come in the future. God, I pray for a restoration of hope. I pray for a restoration of of pursuing and following your dream for our life. If we don't know what that dream is, would you reveal it today? If we know what it is and we've ignored it, would you help recall it to our mind? We follow your dream for us today, Jesus, in your name. We pray. Everyone at all locations said, "Amen." Amen. amen. As a child, I want to ask you uh, this, this question: What game was better than playing hide and seek? Like it's it's one of the, at least the top three games that you can play as a kid because the rules are really easy. You're either hiding or you're seeking. You're seeking, and I love playing the game. I played it as a kid. I played it as a teenager, the advanced version called Cops and Robbers. Uh, we would play that, and jumping through yards and neighborhoods that we probably shouldn't have been. As a parent, I play it now with uh, young kids in the house, and it started off really cute and really innocent, really easy. In fact, I pulled up this picture uh, of, of me and my son playing hide and seek. I don't know if you can find him. I don't know, I don't know if you can see where he is there. But it used to be that, and now it's like, Dad, can I hop on the roof? Dad, can I climb on top of the kitchen cabinets? Dad, can I do this? It's a little more dangerous, a little more costly when things don't go exactly how uh, you plan for them to go. The Bible has the first ever game of hide and seek mentioned in Genesis chapter three. And it's the story of Adam and Eve. And what they had done is they had deliberately disobeyed God. They were in the garden living with God, and they committed sin. They, They ate fruit off the one tree that God said, don't touch this one. Don't, 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 don't eat from this one. But they did it anyways. They ate the fruit. They realized their, their nakedness. They were full of shame, and they tried to hide from God behind bushes. We read in the verse, chapter three, verses eight and nine. It says, during that day's cool evening breeze, even God knows playing hide-and-seats better at night, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. One, two, skip a few, 99, 100, ready or not, here I come. The man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord God in the middle of the garden's trees. The Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? Where are you? Come out, come out wherever you are. We find ourselves in a similar situation today. Maybe we have heard what God told us to do or we've read what he's told us to do and maybe we've just flat out disobeyed it. Maybe we've strayed off the past. Maybe there's been stuff that comes up, situations that have arose and it caused us to go uh, to take a detour but now we're trying to hide. And we may not be hiding behind a bush, but we might be hiding behind status. We may be hiding behind wealth, perceived image. Might be hiding behind failure, like God can't do anything with me. Look what I've done. The question is, what are you hiding behind today? The enemy wants you to forget that you weren't made to hide, you were made to seek. Because God tells us in scripture that when we seek him, we will Find him. But the enemy doesn't want you to know that because whenever you start seeking after God, you'll find him and you'll find what you've been looking for. And so we're going to work off of this main point today. If we aren't seeking, we are hiding. If we aren't seeking, we are hiding. What are you seeking for in your life today? There are elements that have to do with your future and your destiny. May have gotten lost, may have gotten misplaced because you stopped seeking all of those things. And now, in a room this size, and people at all of our locations in this one, uh, the good parents in the room won't relate to this. But for the rest of us, for the rest of us, we're familiar. We're aware. You ever played hide and seek with your kid? And you're like, okay, you go hide. I'm gonna count, and I'll come find you. It's a trick. It's a trick because you want a couple minutes of me time. Okay, so so you count. You put your nose up to the wall and you begin counting. And one, two, nine, ten, ready or not, here I come. Well, you look, you open some doors, you kind of open and shut them real quick, and they're just kind of giggling, they're kind of giggling, but they're, in their, they're like in their little hiding spot. And then what happens is you sit down on the recliner and you turn on Netflix and you find something and then 45 minutes later, dad, are you going to come find me? We've done it and it's okay. It's what happens. Listen, good parents don't do that kind of stuff. I understand, but listen, I got a lot of room to grow. A lot of room to grow. I'm a a sinner here too. But just like a kid hiding in that one corner that you may have just forgot about for a few minutes as you were enjoying some me time, we leave our hopes and our dreams and the things that God spoke to us, that he promised us, we leave it in the corner behind the recliner. We leave leave it sitting there on the ground waiting to be picked up. And today I hope that we seek them again and we go find them. We pick them up and we run with them. Open your Bibles with me if you have them. We're going to live out of Luke 19 this morning. Luke 19, where we find an incredible story of seeking with a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Zacchaeus. We only see mention of him here in Luke 19, these 10 verses, but man, they are loaded. So now we take a A slow stroll through this scripture we're going to kind of weave in and out we'll go in scripture out of it all the way through the rest of the message but I think we're going to find a lot of truth from the life of Zacchaeus today and how it relates to pursuing God's dream for our life so here we go verse one let's begin Jesus entered Jericho where that's already good That's already good. There's nothing wasted in scripture. And God is like, he writes every word so on purpose. But in three words, Jesus entered Jericho. It's already good. I'll tell you why later. It could be two words. It could be Jesus entered. Because don't you know that Jesus makes a difference whenever he enters a situation? It gives you hope that he hasn't left you that here he comes and things change and a change is made in your life and in your circumstance when Jesus comes into it. It could be one word because Jesus is strong enough on its own. We could say Jesus for 40 minutes straight and it'd be powerful. Exalt the name of Jesus. Jesus entered Jericho and we continue on and was passing through town. A man there named Zacchaeus, a ruler among tax collectors. Obviously not everybody's favorite person back in the day. A man there named Zacchaeus, a ruler among tax collectors, was rich. Lord, let it be. All of us in the room, you should perk up. Lord, let it be. He's rich. I want to be rich. It's okay if we're not, but maybe, maybe we're clinging to hope, maybe, who knows? But Zacchaeus, he he was rich. He had got a lot of stuff. He had earned a lot of things. Anything that he could have done on his own, he had the way he thought was different, the way that he saw things was different. In verse three, he was trying. He he was trying. He, He was trying to see, circle the word see, Jesus. He was trying to see who Jesus was. So this rich man in Zacchaeus, he was trying. He had everything. He had everything, yet Luke makes mention that he was trying to see Jesus, A man like that that is out in the open amongst everyone else isn't super common because he could have been at his house. He could have been enjoying the luxuries that he had day in and day out. He could have been comfortable, but he wasn't. It tells me that he may have been looking for something more. It tells me that he was still hungry for something. There was a void. There was an emptiness. There was a lack of depth in his life that he just didn't have, and anything that he could have pursued on his own, he could have already got but this was out of his control. There's something different here. He wants to pursue and see Jesus. Zacchaeus, I see in this situation, he was desperate for change. I see a person of his status and with this kind of detail, I see this being a person that was hungry and desperate for change across the room today. Are we desperate or are we content? Are we comfortable? Are we desperate? When's the last time that we all really sought something and really were trying and went after it? Today we're gonna talk through three reasons why we seek Jesus from this story. The first reason that we should be seekers of Jesus that we learn from Zacchaeus is that we seek to see Jesus. We seek to see Jesus. We must be hungry for him. We want to see him. We just want a glimpse. We just want a glimpse. You might be desperate for something and you may have heard about Jesus. And if you're just kind of checking things out and you wanted to see Jesus, you're in the right spot. Because it's different and it fills you with hope when you see Jesus. Verse three continues though, so get it. He makes the decision. He wants to see Jesus, wants to go after him. And here it is. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but. A lot of big butts in the Bible. This is one of them. You can laugh. It's okay, guys. I mean, it's it's okay. It's it's all right. you are like, I don't know if I can do that in church. Okay, it's all right. But being a short man, he couldn't because of the crowd. So he says, I'm trying to see him, and he gets there amongst all the people on the road, and he's looking around. But then he's short. He knew he was short, but he's real short now. And he's looking up, and he can't see him. Anytime that we make the decision to pursue Jesus and pursue what God has for us, there will always be obstacles, distractions, and people in the way. It will happen. Once you've made the decision that I'm gonna try this, something comes up in the way. Your excuse will always show up right at the sight of your curiosity. So what happens? So what happens? Some of us, it could be he couldn't see Jesus, so what did he do? He went back home. Oh, the crowd is too big, I'm going back home. It's not what we see here, verse four. So he ran ahead, and he climbed up a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. This sounds an awful lot like my kids in Target. Running through aisles, climbing up and down shelves, it sounds a lot like what they do. And this rich man of status, of a lot of dignity, see him acting like a child. He's running through the streets amongst all the people, climbing up in trees like, is this first grade again? Like, what's he doing? I think what we see right here is that Zacchaeus was rich, but in this moment, he's rich with desperation. I see, us, I see him being somebody who was rich with desperation, and there must be the same way there was for Zacchaeus, and I'm done with this. I'm done living this way. I'm done just taking excuses and obstacles and letting them be. I must be done with this. It has to happen in your life when it comes to your finances. I'm tired of living this way. When it comes to your health, I'm tired of living this way. When it comes to your marriage, I'm tired of the bickering and arguing. And I'm just, I'm so sick of it. I want my marriage to be restored. When it comes to your career, Like, God, what do you have for me? I know I was meant for more than this. There must be desperation, this I'm not going to settle. And we see it modeled really well from Zacchaeus. Let's talk about desperation. See, one thing that I've noticed and made note of, and it's in your blanks here, my best decisions have come from a place of desperation. When I've looked over the course of my life and hang with me, my best decisions have come from a place of desperation. I was lucky enough to grow up in this church since first grade, like six, seven years old. Thank God I had parents who valued and showed the importance of being in church weekly and growing up in a good, strong, healthy church. And I remember in first grade, being over in the room where our kid's center is now, did not look anything like our kid's center then though. It's in the kids on a mission room and the, and the speaker was talking and they said, does anybody feel like God is just is speaking to them today? Like you may need to do something for him. They were talking about being missionaries to Africa, and I raised my hand, and I knew that wasn't my calling. For some, it is. For me, that's, that wasn't it. I did know that God had spoke to me and put a call on my life, and I knew from that moment, I didn't know what this plan that God had for me was gonna be and how every single step was going to lay out, but I knew that I had to follow him, and I knew that that's what he called me to do. And then I grew up into our youth group, and I remember being there early and staying late and being a part of this thing. I remember being off in the corner worshiping when I wasn't drumming at youth services. And I remember saying, God, I don't know everything that I'm missing out on, but that's okay. I see the world around me and I see my friends around me and I don't know what I'm missing, but I choose you and I follow after you and I'm desperate for more of you in my life. One of the best decisions I could ever make. But then let me tell you this about desperation my worst decisions have been made from a place of desperation. So my best decisions and my worst decisions have been made from a place of desperation. See, because whenever I have selfish ambitions and I'm pursuing self and I'm pursuing more for me and I'm pursuing meeting my own needs of trying to to be fulfilled, of, of pleasing people, of pleasing others, being seen a certain way, doing certain things, It's a bad spot to make a decision out of. But my best and worst have come from a place of desperation. So what's the difference? What's the difference? The difference is what I was desperate for. Is it me-centered or or, or Jesus-centered, Christ-centered? Self-centered or Christ-centered? Today across the room, I hope and pray that we can all commit that we're gonna return to seeking after Jesus. That way we don't become so comfortable and so ingrained in our own culture today that we stop seeking after him. So we continue with verse five in our passage. When Jesus came to that spot, when Jesus came to that spot, how did Jesus know? That spot where Zacchaeus was up in the branch and he was looking for him, how did Jesus know that Zacchaeus was looking for him? Jesus knew. Jesus knows whenever somebody is desperate and seeking after him. And let me encourage you today, across the room, we don't have to work at being noticed by Jesus. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to like, hey, I'm right here. You don't have to send up a flare. He knows where you're at. And so you may lack attention that you deserve here on earth. You may have not gotten it growing up as a child. You may have just been lost in the crowd, lost in the shuffle. You're never lost with Jesus because he sees each and every one of us. Verse 5 continues He looked up. So Jesus, he sees him, he sees Zacchaeus, and he looked up. But pause. Jesus is looking up at a man that everyone around him, everyone around him looked down upon consistently because Zacchaeus was a thief and a criminal. He was a liar. He was short, but that's not the only reason they looked down upon him. They consistently looked down, and now Jesus in this moment is looking up. That's different. That's a perspective change. Jesus is seeing Zacchaeus differently in this moment, and I think that that shifted something in Zacchaeus' life right then. Verse 5. Continues on. Verse five is loaded. I love it. My, one of my favorite scriptures out of this whole passage. He looked up and said, Zacchaeus. He said, Zacchaeus, Jesus knows you. And he knows you by your, by your name. Not what you call yourself. Not what everybody around you has called you. Not the labels that you picked up walking through the hallways at school. Not the thing that, you, that you've done. He knows You, Pastor Jeremy's been sharing about the consistency effect that small things consistently over time lead to big things. And that's great. And it's true. And it's super scary because it works for the good things, but it also works for the bad things. We pick up these labels and things that we were never meant to call ourselves And we just pick it up and stick it on us and pick it up and stick it on us. And as we're going every single day, we add something else to our identity that was never supposed to be there. And small things like that over time lead to big problems and a big mess. But Jesus in this moment, he speaks to Zacchaeus and he knows him and he knows you. When you seek to see Jesus, he sees through everything you've done or are going through because he sees more than that and he sees the one that he's created. Verse five. Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus, calls him by name, and he says, hey, I must stay in your house today. I must stay in your house today, and that's kind of a woo for me. I had this thought. Have you ever wondered why Jesus wasn't married? Have you ever wondered, listen, this is such a small reason. It's really actually dumb, but I just want to go here for a second. Because I had this problem that when I have my friends and I have my people, like your house is my house, my house is your house. You have an open door policy. As long as you let me in, I'm letting you in. Like, let's hang out. And let's, let's have life together. Okay. I love this. And I'll be talking after church and I'll be making plans. And I'll say, hey, yeah, we're coming over to your house today. We're watching football. And then within three seconds, I get the eyes and the elbow from my wife. Because she knows the plans that we got. She knows what's going on, I'm not even thinking about it, but I just like to invite myself over. I'll just do it. It's it's a problem, but I love you, and you love me, I think. I hope, so I hope that's the situation. So I'll come over, and it doesn't work for me, but Jesus, being a single man, he can do that. He can just do whatever he wants. Jesus, a lot like my friend Dre. Dre is a key, critical person, Here at Timber Creek, he's actually up in that booth right now here in Lufkin. He's smiling. You can see his big old teeth there. He's just smiling. Look, he's single, and I'll just look up, and I'll be playing games, watching football, and here's Dre popping up at my door. Ladies, he's available. He's single. He's on the prowl. All right, I can hook you up. Talk to me after down here. Act like you're a prayer team, and I'll just pray with you, and I'll tell you Dre's number. We'll get it going, okay? Dre needs something to do. He can't just be popping up at people's houses, but, 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 but. But Jesus in this moment, he just invites himself over. So if he doesn't get in trouble for it, I'm not going to get in trouble for it. That's what I'm going to say from now on. He says, I must stay in your house today. But Jesus is really making a shift out of just not just seeing Zacchaeus, but now I want to I want to have fellowship with you. I want to stay with you. I want to get to know you. So we seek Jesus to see him. We also seek Jesus to stay with him. Your second point today. There's a new level of knowing someone when you stay with them. The way we say it here at Timber Creek is that, that you give us a year of your life and engage the process. And Jesus will change your life from the inside out. And will help you along the way. Sometimes what we like to do with church is we like to see Jesus on Sundays, but not live with him throughout the week. And so consistently, maybe once a month, once every six weeks, you're coming to church on a Sunday just to get a glance of him. But I promise you, Jesus has more. Jesus is inviting you to stay. So. Take a next step and stay with him. Serve on a team, join a group, go to the table of 10, be a missionary to one of our campuses that we're launching, just stay. It might be awkward and it might be weird for a little bit, but you'll get used to it, it'll be okay because you'll start building community. You're only as effective as you are connected and pursuing God's dream for your life requires connection with others. You might look at someone who has it all put together and be like, man, they're just perfect. Well, first of all, I promise you they're not. But it might be a lot like this LED wall that you see the image every single week and right now we see the world spinning. Some of you have been here for four weeks and you haven't noticed that world was spinning one time but now you're gonna be distracted the rest of the time. But as the world spins madly on, you see this image and I love it. It's beautiful. Like it's a great wall, produces great imagery. But the wall just doesn't make itself. And most of you have probably never seen the back of what an LED wall looks like. And so since This is like a media thing. I can go show you real quick what this looks like. My friend Terrence is with me. So let's go back here to the wall. Let's see what makes this whole wall work. As we take steps and navigate a couple cords, now we're back here. And all of these panels and all of these wires, all of the power and all the network cables, they all work together to produce a really cool image. But then what happens? What happens when we just unplug one. Now you're freaking out. (laughs) Now I'm freaking out a little bit. Because the image is, it's all messed up. It's distorted. It's not what it's supposed to be. It's incomplete. And so when we aren't connected to him, we're incomplete. And we're not connected with others, we're incomplete. And we need connection. We're only as effective as we are connected. And so as we come back through This is where everybody breathes for a really long time. Lord, let it be. Who knows, there it is. Wow, we're good. The tension in the room was like palpable. You could cut it with a knife. You're like, oh, did he just mess something up? I'm like, yeah, I might not get a paycheck for a little while now if that doesn't get fixed. So, But man, we're only as effective as we are connected. We need a strong community of people around us. Who's around you in your life matters. It matters a whole lot. Your community matters, so why not let it be a community of people within your church body here right now? That's why we provide the next steps that we provide for you to take the next steps and be connected. So we hop back into Luke 19. Something amazing happens here. In verse eight, the first three words, Zacchaeus stood up. So Jesus called him down from the tree, He said, I'm coming to your house. And Zacchaeus was off the tree and he, and he stands up. We seek to see Jesus, we seek to stay with Jesus, and we seek to stand with Jesus. The more that Zacchaeus stayed in the presence of Jesus, the more the real Zacchaeus began to stand. And the application for you and me today is the more that I'm in the presence of Jesus, the more the real me begins to stand up. And don't get me wrong, every knee will still bow. And every tongue will confess. That's what scripture says. But the dynamic that Jesus brings into the picture is that yes, we take a need to him, but he also empowers us to stand with him and pursue what he's called us to do. It's an awesome dynamic. When you get around Jesus, you seek him with all your heart, and you stay and you get to know him more than you ever have before, then something in you begins to stand. You stand in the gap for your kids. You stand in the gap for your marriage. You stand in the gap for the dream that God laid upon your heart. You take a stand. But see, I talked about the real you. And there's lots of talk about who is the real me? What is the real version of myself? We think that we're doing our own thing and we're gonna go find ourselves, and so we go off in isolation apart from God and we just really want to, to self-center and self-think about who we are and discover who that person is that we think we're made to be. But I promise you, standing over here isolated from God and separate from him is not gonna reveal who, who you are. It's gonna reveal maybe a mirage of who you think you could be, what the enemy would love for you to think that you are. We need to be over here and connected with him living every single day with him. Because the more that we're with Jesus, the more that he will re- help us realize who we actually are and who we're actually made to be. Jesus empowers us to stand with him. This morning, we had the privilege of getting to celebrate water baptisms. And across uh, you know Lufkin and Nacogdoches, it's so cool, the life change that's happening. And in fact, at the 8.30 service, I had the opportunity to baptize uh, my seven-year-old daughter, Tori, there's a picture of her that we just grabbed it off the camera, and that was so cool. A proud dad moment here. So proud for her and the opportunity for her to say, Dad, I just want to live my life for Jesus. So last night at Cracker Barrel, I'm talking to her. and Because it's it's cute seeing kids get baptized. It's cute. But there's a lot more to it than that. And we can emphasize a lot more than that. Because whenever she tells me, Dad... I want to be baptized because we told her no. If I want to be honest, we told her no for six months. She, said she didn't understand. And so last night I said, Tori, why do you want to get baptized? Are you sure? She said, Dad, I just want to live every day for Jesus. I want to live with him. And I said, you know what? Let's get you baptized tomorrow. Let's do this thing. Because it's awesome seeing what God is starting in her life and what started in my son's life a couple years back. Who knows what might happen? What might God do in you when you begin to stand? What might God do through you? Once the real you is standing with Jesus consistently. In this situation, let's notice where Zacchaeus is. So Zacchaeus was in the tree, got a sight of Jesus, came down, Jesus says, I need to stay with you, I'm gonna come with you. Now he's on the ground. Remember where he was at the beginning of scripture? He was on the ground. And what was the problem? Everybody was in the way of him. He was too short. The people of the crowd was all around him. And he couldn't get the, the glance that he needed to see. Now he's back on the ground. He's back on the ground, but the people around him are no longer an obstacle. Because they have a clear, he has a clear sight of Jesus. He's had a real encounter with Jesus. And everything else that could have distracted him before no longer is. Here's here's a free nugget for you. When you're faced with a problem and with a situation, take a moment. It's right here in front of your face because the people were all the way around just right in front of Zacchaeus' face. When you have a problem that you're facing, an obstacle, take a second. Get away from the problem. Climb up in the tree. Get a higher perspective. And let's come back and see what happens. Because problems feel so big when they're right here. But if we can breathe and we can step back, and this is somebody who deals with stuff on a, on a daily basis that can feel overwhelming, that can feel like it's surrounding you, trapping you, but we breathe. We take a moment to zoom out, get a higher perspective, talk to a trusted friend, talk to God, and we just see, okay, God, I see what you're seeing. And now Zacchaeus has made contact and he's no longer obstructed by all the obstacles around him he now sees Jesus clearly one-on-one. His perspective is healed. And so, one of the greatest healings I can ever receive is a healing of my perspective. One of the greatest healings, we talk about this consistently because it's so true, one of the greatest healings I can receive is a healing of my perspective. Zacchaeus is filled with joy and he immediately begins living the life God designed him to live. Verse eight says this, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, right here in this moment, we see just a change in Zacchaeus. He said, I'll give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him with a huge, proud smile on his face, today, right here, right now, salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And from this story, from these 10 scriptures, I think we clearly see how Zacchaeus discovered God's dream for his life. I think we see it. It's right here under our nose. You might ask, what do you mean? Let me give you an answer here for your blanks. God's dream for you is this. It's for you to live life with him. God's dream for you is for you to live life with him. We go back to Genesis and God created this garden. He created this whole world. He created Adam and Eve so that he could be with them in their presence and live life with him. That's what he wanted. And then sin came into the world and separated that. Back to the beginning of scripture, God wants to be with us and live with us. This whole story of the Bible is not man trying to find out who God is and pursue him. It's God trying to reach man. God is seeking you today. Come out, come out wherever you are. He's with you and he's for you. And he's got your plans and your future better than ever you could ever imagine. It's in his DNA to be a seeker. And if we're made in his image and he has being a seeker in his DNA, it's in yours as well. Not hiding, it's seeking after him. Let's together pursue the dream that God has for our lives. The dream that we will live life with him. So, your final blank, I know you've been anxious to fill it out. When faced with obstacles, distractions, and excuses, I will pursue God's dream for me. When faced with obstacles, distractions, and excuses. I will pursue God's dream for me. I pray that for you today. I pray that for me today. I pray that every morning when we wake up that we would have the dream of God put right in front of our eyes and on our heart, that we wouldn't forget it, we wouldn't let it slip, we wouldn't let it be dormant there in the corner of the living room. Can I take you back to the very beginning of this passage? I said the first three words were so powerful and so good. It said this, Jesus entered Jericho. Do we remember what Jericho was in the Old Testament? I don't have time to unpack the whole thing, but God promised the Israelites a promised land. And as Joshua was leading this troop of Israelites to the promised land, Jericho was an enemy city of God. They were in the way. So Joshua was saying, okay, God, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna bust some people up? What's the plan? We're gonna take down this city. What are we gonna do? And he said, you're gonna do this. You're gonna march around the walls. (laughs) Doesn't seem like that would make the walls come down. But he marches around the walls. Six days does it one time. On the seventh, he does it seven times. And then something amazing happens that I think we learn from. On the seventh time, those walls came crumbling down and the people of God were able to pursue and enter the city some of us in the room today think that we've been an enemy of God for so long that he can never try to penetrate the walls of our heart. That we think that he can never, ever, ever make, him, make it us available to, to, to be in his presence. We don't think that could even be possible. But what we learn from Zacchaeus, it doesn't take marching, it doesn't take seven days, it takes one encounter with Jesus, one time in his presence, and the walls of Zacchaeus' heart begin to crumble and fall down and melt away. And now Zacchaeus' life has changed because, wow, he's received salvation. I encourage you today, Jesus seeks after you, and he pursues you, and you don't have to work for him to notice you. He's with you. I want to pray with you this morning. As every head is bowed and eyes are closed, maybe this morning you are in a situation where you need to surrender yourself to Jesus. And you need to to take this next step of, of just following him and accepting him and choosing to live life with him. That God's dream for your life is just that you would live life with him. And you say, today, I want to do that. But we're gonna say a prayer and we're gonna let you take that first step of it, of living life with Jesus. So everybody in the room across our campuses, if you'll join us in prayer, just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, today I choose to follow you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. I choose to live life with you today. Thank you for being my Savior. And thank you for becoming my Lord. In your name we pray. Everybody at all locations said amen.